Ladies and gents, boys and girls, been a minute. Welcome to yet another episode of the First Text Minutes podcast. My name is Roti Midara Malaba. You'll find me on Twitter, PAPI underscore the great at PAPI underscore the great. Oh, somebody just mentioned formerly Twitter, now X. It's good to have you join us. Boy, what a show we have, what an episode I have. I always say we, I'm getting used to having a team, but until then, myself and my imaginary team, <laughs> what a show we have for you. All thanks to football. All thanks to you for always dropping your comments wherever you find this episode. All thanks to you for always leaving a rating wherever you get this episode or this podcast episode from. If you haven't been doing that, kindly leave a rating wherever you get your podcast episodes from. Straight to the business of the day or, or the podcast episode, as some people would like to say. It's not every day you um, you find that eight goals have been scored in the Premier League game. Most importantly, it's not every day you find that two teams have scored four goals apiece in a Premier League game. I had to go back into history, deep, deep, deep back into history. Okay, maybe not that deep, but I had to go back and I had to just jot a few things down. I had to jot a few things. Yeah just a few things down. Anyway, in 2008, that was 29th of October, 2008, Arsenal and Spurs, remember the game? Arsenal and Tottenham played out a 4-4 thriller, instant Premier League classic. Just six months after that, should I say seven months? The maths might be mathing right now. I think it's six months after that, same Arsenal was involved in another 4-4 thriller at Anfield. This time it was against Liverpool, instant classic um andrea chevin i think yes scored one two three four goals in that game liverpool for arsenal four and then that was in 2009 i think it's same okay now we had to wait another year or two this was in the 2010 2011 season can't really remember when it happened right now checked your team with that shot remember the game newcastle four against who guess who ah right arsenal newcastle four <laughs> Arsenal 4. I think Wenger was a, was, um, a regular feature in all of these games. I'm not sure which other players were regular features. I'm not sure if it was Almunia or Jens Lehmann right now, but Arsenal was a regular feature in all these three games. Arsenal 4, Spurs 4, Liverpool 4, Arsenal 4, Newcastle 4, Arsenal 4. A recent 4-4 clash was just the one that happened over the weekend at the Stamford Bridge. This time it did not involve anyone of Arsenal, Liverpool, Spurs, Newcastle. Two completely different sides in the form of Chelsea and Manchester City. Four goals apiece. Chelsea getting four goals. Scoring four goals. Can you remember the last time Chelsea scored four in a game? We'll get to that in a minute. Can you remember the last time Manchester City considered four in a game? We'll get to that in a minute. But this was instantly one for the record books, one for the Hall of Fame, and one for the catalog of Premier League classics. And of course, it's the kind of game that takes your breath away for like two hours because you're wondering what just happened in this game. And when the dust settles, then you begin to find a few questions far and in between. Where, okay, this is a question, this is a question. So this episode is basically about the three major questions I am asking as a football fan after watching that Premier League classic between I must say Manchester City. Chelsea were at home at Stamford Bridge against Manchester City. But boy, 
that was quite a game that was quite a game the energy was out of this world some of the chelsea players bonkers with the energy they brought into the team some maybe maybe not but it is obvious what is going on at chelsea let me read a few stats to you just so, so you can understand maybe before the start maybe we should listen to no no let me tell you the stats first so um chelsea have only lost one game in their last eight across all competitions now the seven before this one pay attention to this the seven games before this one they only managed two wins as opposed to to the five wins they currently have in their last eight across all competitions so that's five wins in their last eight as opposed to two just two wins in the first seven games across all competitions this season and um holding manchester city to a draw the reigning champions the the treble winners the back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back premier league um, um title champions says a lot about what is brewing um, at that side of london that's at stanford bridge and what mauricio pochettino is doing with Chelsea and I'd just like you to listen to this short clip by um, of, of course what Pep Guardiola said after the game against Chelsea they're a really, really good team so it's no doubt here Liverpool couldn't win Arsenal they were much much better than Arsenal and at the end Arsenal draw at the end so it's you know it's it's, it's Chelsea basically Pep Guardiola was saying look it's Chelsea Liverpool failed to win here Arsenal failed to win here and 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 Manchester City also held by Chelsea and the first question goes as thus is this about something that is gradually like I mentioned earlier brewing with Chelsea I almost, almost said Chelsea Chelsea <laughs> under Mauricio Pochettino are they finding their feet yeah a lot of play, a lot of fans were out quick to say we need a striker the blues need a striker but um looking at the the downsides aside um I said Rich James had a fantastic game yeah he can only give so much considering the fact that he is just you know they're trying to manage his health and all of that but he did so well while he was on um Cole Palmer um Raheem Sterling um, this guy in the middle of the park uh, played for Crystal Palace at one time. Conor Gallagher, fantastic, or Gallagher as the case may be, fantastic performance by these players. The energy was bonkers, the, 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 the mindset was crazy. You punch on the touchline, how they went crazy with each goal that they scored. And you know, it, you know, it begs the question, knowing fully well that this side was the banter team, a few weeks back let's put it that way you hear chelsea are like man it's going to be a whitewash and gradually they're on the climb i mentioned the i mentioned the stats to you earlier one loss in their last is this seven now one lost in one loss in their last eight games and they've won five of those is poch up to something is poch in the kitchen cooking will chelsea win at least one trophy before the end of the season yeah yeah it's football anybody can dream you can leave me a comment either on twitter or spotify if you're listening to this on spotify next question next question has to be about teams selling selling players to rival direct rivals let me put it that maybe title challengers title challenger in the premier league or title challenger in um, 
the Champions League, as the case may be. And you know, Pep Guardiola was quoted as once as saying that if if you don't sell to a rival club, you are a small team. And there's all this talk about, um, you know, when Jesus joined us now last, the last time he joined us, and I'm not sure if it was last year, two years ago, and um, there was a lot of talk about how he was doing so well. However, during that period, a certain Raheem Sterling, who left Manchester City for Chelsea, wasn't doing as well. But if people wanted to use the comparison as you should not sell to a rival, they would bring Jesus and talk Raheem Sterling down like he's not doing so well, he's not good for the argument. And all of this talk made me remember uh, when Van Persie was sold from Arsenal to Manchester United. Phew. Well, and uh, you know, it just brings that idea that what Cole Palmer, by the way, the reason I'm saying this, Cole Palmer, the city boy, according to Peter Drury, has become Chelsea's man. Fantastic work of art. Fantastic work of art. Not forgetting Raheem Sterling, who I think had a fantastic game. What's this, what's this idea you think about, you know, uh, uh, clubs not selling directly to their rivals? Pep was quoted as saying, look, you need to make sure that the players are happy, the club they are living is happy, and the club that they are going to is happy. I mean, happy life, happy wife, happy life, right? Or happy player, happy, is it ex-club now or present club? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, look, Palmer, this, Palmer, that, um, oh, look, this and that and everything. However, these things are not always black and white yeah, because Sam Sterling, everybody's shouting about, took a while before he kicked things into gear, uh, which Chelsea, some people will even say he has not necessarily kicked into gear per se. So, what's this idea? What do you think about this idea of selling players to direct rival clubs? Do you think it makes sense? As a fan, do you like it? Even though you really can't do much about it because, of course, it's not your money that is being spent. But you have a right to have an opinion about it. What is your opinion about this idea? Pep thinks, look, let the players breathe wherever they want to go as long as they are up happy. I don't care if they're going to Arsenal in the case of Jesus Zinchenko. I don't care if they're going to Chelsea in the case of Raheem Sterling. Palmer, I just want them to be happy and I just want them to move along as quickly as possible so that I can get the players that I want to replace them. What do you think as a fan? Thirdly, I mentioned earlier and I will say it again, it's not every day that you have a team score for against Manchester City. I had to dig, 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 dig to find a few numbers. Um, on the 19th of October 2016, Barcelona put four past Manchester City in the Champions League. The same year, I think it was around the period also, Leicester City put four past Manchester City in a 4-2 win, not necessarily a thrashing. On the 14th of January 2018, that's two years on, we had that famous, famous clash. That seven-goal thriller between Liverpool and Manchester City. I think it was in the same season um, where they had initially met. And Ederson had taken a kick to the cheekbone, I think, by Mane. And Mane was sent off and Manchester City defeated Liverpool five goals to nil. This was the reverse fixture of that clash. And I think Liverpool, yeah, Liverpool's put four past Manchester City in a 4-3 um, thriller. I think it was that year that Liverpool was a menace, a thorn in City's flesh in the league and also in the Champions League. Two years later, Leicester City again put five past Manchester City 
2020 or 27th of July, just so we are sure, Guardiola was uh, the manager. Yes, it was, Man- it was Manchester City, Manchester City. KDB was there. I think Kuhn was still there. Uh, they should have gotten Bravo by that. Uh, not Bravo. Um, Edison. Not sure if Diaz was there already, but Stones was there. KDB. Uh, you can go on and on and on. Mares, uh, the lights. So it was. So you are not thinking it was a Manchester City or pre Guardiola. No, it was. Uh, it was Guardiola and Leicester City defeated them five goals to two at home. For that matter, it was on the twenty seventh of October. Sorry, twenty seventh of October, twenty twenty. Manchester City two, Leicester City five. So we have Leicester City with five. And Leicester City with four. Also, we have Barcelona with four we have liverpool with four and now we have chelsea also with four there was talk about how in all of my um, pep Guardiola's over 800 professionally managed games this is the first time that a game has ended four four and of course yeah we know they are the best team in the land i dare say the best team in the world but the question remains the question remains about if they were able to concede this much, does it take anything away from them being title, still being t- title contenders? Because the question is, yeah, this city, this city team doesn't concede a lot. This city team doesn't even concede a lot. Not to talk of conceding four goals in the game. They played, yes, they played a fantastic Chelsea side. But you look at the table; they could have gone, I think, three points clear. All things been equal of Arsenal and Liverpool, but now they're just a paltry point, I think. Yeah, they're just a paltry point. Yeah, leading the table 28 points. They have a red hot Liverpool on their tail. And by the way, the next game for Manchester City, you guessed right. You guessed right. You guessed it right. They will be welcoming Liverpool to the Etihad. And there's also the the, the, the the little matter, the little matter of their direct opponent, their direct opponent last season, the one who beat them in the community shield, the one who has beaten them already this season. We're talking about Arsenal. Arsenal also is on 27 points. Yes, there's a little matter of Spurs and Villa in 26th and 25th, respectfully. But the question is, does this game... This 4-4 game, City considered 4 against a Chelsea side that is not even... Okay, they are 10th. They are 10th. They are in the top. They are narrowly, barely in the top half of the table. Does this take anything away from Manchester City's title chances? Or are they still the... Yeah, we know they are the team to beat, but are they still the formidable side that everybody thinks is going to do it again and become the first side to do it four in a row is it four is there has, has any team done four in a row i, I think during fergie's time maybe 18 did i'm not sure now so i'm not i'm not sure i'm not i mean i'm not making any claim but i mean can city go all the way are they still the team that everybody tags as favorite to go all the way or does this game remove a little bit from who they are in terms of prospective Premier League title champions. What do you think? What do you think? Do you have any other questions from this game? Uh, a lot of people have been talking about Jackson. Man, he's got a goal. Uh, sometimes that's all that matters. It, question 3A. Let me just put it. Three and a half. Let me put it that way. 
What's this thing people slander Haaland about? I mean, I saw it on, on, on social media. I know a lot of people say a lot of things on social media, but how can you look at a guy who has scored 49 goals? I think his next will be his 50th in so many games. This guy made his Premier League debut last season, shattered every scoring, almost every, let me not put it that way, almost every scoring record that you can imagine. Went on to win the Golden Boat, went on to become the second best player in the world after Lionel Messi, even though everybody everybody thought, almost everybody though, Messi fans would not agree, that Haaland should have been given the award. However, this guy does not need to explain, explain, explain. He has evidence. And yet, some fans still think that when Haaland goes to or when he is in is not necessarily as heavily involved in the game, he is less of the goal machine that everybody knows him to be. I disagree. I strongly disagree. For him as a striker, he has receipts. For him as a striker, he has evidence. For him as a striker, he scores goals. Whether he had just five touches in a game or 55 touches in a game. Haaland scores goals. He did two against Chelsea. I think he is way up on the standings now as regards... Uh, 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 um, what's it called now? As regards um, goals and the Premier League standings now, I'm trying to see. It should be 12 now. 12 or 13 goals scored now. 13 goals. 13 goals in 12 games. That's one apiece. Come on. The next, the closest guy to this guy is Mohamed Salah with 10 goals, followed by Human Son with 8 goals. Haaland has scored. So I never get the slander. I never get the complaint. If this guy makes three touches in a game and he scores one goal, I'll take it. Because he's a striker, he scores, whether he's making touches, whether he's making touches in the opposition half, whether he's dribbling or he's not dribbling, whether he's, he's part of his team's overall play or he's not for 87 minutes in the game, he turns up and that is all that matters when it comes to the goal machine called Erling Haaland. So I think that people should just bury this idea of trying to force banter or slander where there is none. This is where we'll draw the curtain. I draw the curtain on this episode of the First X Minutes podcast. If you have not followed, kindly click the follow button, kindly subscribe to this episode or this podcast wherever you get your podcast episodes from. And also, if you have any questions, comments, um, positive or negative reviews, kindly drop them wherever you get your podcast episodes from. Till I come here in the next episode of the podcast, is the international break, and um, a lot of people will be talking about um, Victor Simen and his chances of being voted as the African Player of the Year since he ranked so high on the Ballon d'Or rankings a lot of talk will also be about who is qualifying for the next euros who is qualifying for the next uh, world cup and uh, the build-up begins to the calf africa cup of nations yes a whole lot is happening weathers are changing all over the globe the rains i think are beginning to cease in the southern hemisphere at least that's where i am it's on parts of the southern hemisphere where i am it's getting colder up north and um mary <laughs> maria carrier was talking to my wife recently is about to cash out yes again yet again <laughs>
whatever you'll be doing in days ahead i hope it's profitable and i hope you stay safe most importantly i hope you make the most use of your time because while life is incredibly long yep 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 life is also incredibly short cheers bye for now